You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Do you ever wonder what's in store for your life beyond crisis mode and healing mode? Are you ready to shift out of survival mode and into a life that's thriving? Are you interested and intrigued by the concept of self-empowerment and what that might look like for you? On this week's episode of the podcast, I sit down with special guest Lydia Knight to talk about all things self-empowerment and personal transformation. Lydia Knight is an internationally recognized eating disorder expert with a passion for understanding women's complex relationships with food and body. She is also the CEO of The She Center, a place where women in crisis mode learn to rechannel their resources and energy towards prosperity in the areas of life that matter the most to them. With that, please enjoy this episode of the show. I am so excited for you to hear this one today. Hello, hello, Lydia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me on, Meg. So excited for our conversation today. And like, thank you for all the good you're doing in the world. Thank you for being on the show. I am so grateful and appreciative to have you here today. I've been so excited about this conversation because... I can tell it's going to be a really inspiring one. And I know my listeners love a good, inspiring chat. But before we dive into that, where are you coming from at the moment? Where are you right now? Yes, I am in a really beautiful, magical place. We love it, which is Santa Fe, New Mexico. And it really is an enchanting, wonderful space, a good energy. Oh, man, I'm so envious of that. I would love to go there. I've never been, but it's on the top of the list for places to go. Here they have a great art scene. They have one of the largest native art markets in the world, and it's like third in the world for art. Like It's like New York, Los Angeles, and Santa Fe, New Mexico. So yeah, it's a huge art scene. I got to get myself over there to check it out. But now that you're on the show, I'd love to hear more about your own personal journey to self-empowerment, because this is what we want to talk about today, self-empowerment and personal transformation. So could you share about your journey and how you have transformed throughout your lifetime? I love that. Thank you so much for asking that question. I think it's actually one of the most important questions that anyone can ask themselves is like, what does empowerment mean to me? And then creating that transformation. So I am totally happy to share my story, but I also want to acknowledge that, you know, the last thousand women that we've coached, there are such strong themes that come up in that journey to empowerment. So bring awareness to like the principles because like, yes, this is my journey, but this is also the journey of like thousands of others in that process. And so just 
as you're listening, I would encourage everyone to think of how these principles apply for them and in their journey too. So Mm. one of the most important pieces of living an empowered life is to first be out of crisis. Crisis takes so much from us. If you think of like, if you're drowning underwater, the only thing that you're thinking about is air. You're not thinking about your five-year plan and you're not thinking about how you actually feel or what you actually think. You're just thinking of one thing because all of the energy is being taken by that crisis. So as you know, 75% of women struggle with disordered eating. And so there's a really common crisis that a lot of us are in. And so getting out of that crisis is one of the most important pieces. And the beautiful thing about that journey is that once you're out of crisis, all of the mental bandwidth, all of the time and money and space and confidence that crisis was taking from you, once that crisis is over, that goes back to you. That goes back to you and you can do with that in your life. Like you have those resources back. So that's the next important step in empowerment is first you get out of crisis and then you take the resources that crisis used to take from you and you put it into play in your own life and your own journey. And one of the most effective methods on the planet to put those resources toward is to have the tools and the awareness of your habits and patterns of thought because they shape everything. Mm -hmm. They shape your identity and they shape your results and they shape your internal experience. And so being able to examine those patterns, to interrupt those patterns, and to actually know that you are separate from your thoughts. They are not you. And a lot of the patterns of thought that we have, we've inherited from sources Mm -hmm. that we don't even respect And so that next level of empowerment is being able to reshape your patterns, your thought, your identity, your beliefs with what you want, with what you say. And from there, like you just match it to what you want to do in the world. And that's that journey of empowerment. So for me, it was ending my eating disorder and being past that crisis, being past that healing, which is so important, but it's the first step. And then... From there, living purpose, like creating in the world what I'm meant to do, how I'm meant to share and impact because we have what crisis used to take back. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And it's so relatable because I often work with people who are in that active crisis mode. You know, many people listening to this podcast are living with the daily crisis of an eating disorder and trying to tame the eating disorder behaviors and the thoughts. And so that's why I was so excited to have you on the show today, because I want everyone listening to kind of remind themselves that once you can like break free from this pattern of crisis, work on healing, your world absolutely does open up. I know mine did. I know yours did. And so I think it's really beautiful to think about that. And, you know, you mentioned a lot about your thoughts and being able to detach from those thoughts and being able to move more gracefully through the world. I'm curious on your own journey, what was it like for you to transition out of crisis and into a place of healing and then into a place of thriving? Because this podcast is called Full and Thriving because I was thinking about 
you know, how we want to get to that place. Yeah. And Meg, by the way, I like love that title so much. Like to put those things together, like that experience of full and thriving when there's so much like societal ideas about women being empty or starved and that somehow is connected with success. And I love how you've like, you know, disconnected those things and put truths together. So anyway, I was thinking about the title. I'm like, oh, it's so good. (laughs) I'm so glad you like it. I wanted it to be a bridge related to eating disorder recovery and embracing fullness, but connecting it to the idea of fullness of life, fullness of the heart, full of joy, being able to acknowledge that recovery brings the ability to thrive. So I appreciate your comments on that. Nobody's ever really brought up that before. Beautiful and great, great question. So something I'm really grateful for on my own journey is that although I had like a horrible, like life-destroying eating disorder, Mm. I didn't know what it was at first because I was a health coach. That was my whole identity. I mean, I trained 400 other health coaches. We had 8,000 clients. Like it was just like so, so much a part of my life and who I am. And I really thought of myself as very healthy. And, you know, everywhere I looked, it was reinforced that like, it's just healthy to be extremely restrictive with food. It's just the way to do it, to always trying to be lose weight, to, you know, to be focused on that so, so heavily. So for the longest time, I would see this awful and confusing thing happen where although I thought I was very healthy, it felt like I was totally out of control and just went on these awful binges and ate the sorts of things I would tell my clients to never, ever eat in you know, huge quantities and then spend just, you know, my whole focus in my life was about undoing the binge. And it was this compartmentalized, like, why on earth is this happening? And I'd go right back to, well, it's just never going to happen again. And I'll just like do it better, better, faster, stronger, like more exact. And, you know, you know, the old eating disorder, (laughs) as you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a nice pattern you were stuck in there. (laughs) And because I didn't know at first that it was an eating disorder, I didn't have an association of like, you know, brokenness or disease with it. I was just like, this is a problem that I have to fix. And so as I started waking up to having this huge issue with food that was destroying my life, everywhere that I looked, it was the same mentality of like, well, you're broken and you're always going to be broken. You're probably a food addict and you probably have this disease and you're just going to have to manage it for the rest of your life. And I had like a fire within myself that I am so, so grateful for that there was like this truth of it has to be better than that. Like it's unacceptable to just live the rest of my life broken. Mm -hmm. And so it turned out to be such a blessing because nowhere that I looked had the model of the world that was acceptable to me. Like I refused to accept that I'm broken forever. Mm -hmm. And it drove me to create a system in which I could be fully done and not have an eating disorder anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was effective and it worked and my desires were changed. Like it wasn't a problem, it wasn't something I was managing. And that's the same thing that, you know, we show our clients. But that path to empowerment, I feel, is much more clear and has a lot more momentum 
when we're starting from the place of I'm not broken, I just have a habit that I need to break, a cycle that I can be done with. And we don't have all of that identity along with it of like, I'm always going to be broken. So even in the way that we get out of crisis, even in the way that we heal, I would suggest start it aligned with being empowered. Mm. Wait to be empowered. Don't heal so that you can be empowered later. Be empowered Mm. now. Heal, Mm. get out of crisis now with that empowerment frame and then continue on that journey. Does that Mm. contrast make sense? Absolutely. I love that idea of starting now, right? So you talk about the power of not waiting. So could you actually explain a little bit about what that means? Yeah, totally. One of the big things that holds us back is this habit of thought. And if we, you know, for a moment, consider that our thoughts aren't necessarily true and our thoughts aren't even us. They're just habits of thought that have been practiced enough that they feel true to us, right? So a really common pattern of thought and something that women are actually taught by society specifically is that you have to have everything perfect or you have to feel better or it has to be the right time or everyone else has to be taken care of first before you can, whatever it is, live Mm. your dream, be on purpose, do the thing that you're meant to do, even find out what that is. And so we get into this cycle of as soon as this happens, then I'll be ready to actually do what I want to do. And if you think of the person in your life that is most empowered, that is most confident, that is most, you know, on purpose, that has the life that you want, if you were to pull back the curtain and to look into their soul and to see their true experience, they weren't ready before they started. Not everything was lined up. Mm. So it's this myth that we think when it's easier or when it feels more convenient or when I feel better, I'll do it. But the truth is, is that anyone who has the success that you wanted started before they were ready, before they felt confident. The messages that we send ourselves is the most powerful thing in our life. So the key is to start acting now like someone that you love, like how you would treat someone you love, start treating yourself that way now, even if you're not there. If you don't Mm -hmm. feel worthy, we'll start taking action. Send messages to yourself. Invest in yourself at the level that matches the level of worthiness that you will have because that's actually the way to make the shift. It's not about waiting. It's about doing it now so that it can actually happen because our actions speak the loudest. Does that make sense? I love that. It brings me back to when I was a new coach or dreaming to be a coach. And I made so many mistakes. I was an action taker. I've always been an action taker, but a sloppy one sometimes. I've refined my process. But I mean, when I started, I was taking action without being ready at all. There was no readiness And like, first of all, I don't know how I was able to get to that place, 
But I see the opposite in a lot of the folks I work with it, which is the whole environment needs to be controlled. Everything needs to be aligned in order for me to make this step or to make this change. And that can end up being like a long holding game for your life. And that is just not where anyone wants to be, especially when you want to be your most empowered self. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking of all of the lives that were impacted and all the people that you helped because you started before you were ready, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you took that action. And there are really specific ways to get into action before you're ready. And a lot of times, even if we're action takers, like it's actually two sides of the coin of perfectionism for a lot of us, right? Mm -hmm. It's either I'm constantly taking action because I'm trying to like make up for some brokenness. I'm not saying that was your story. I'm saying this can be a pattern. That should have been it, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not saying anything in particular. (laughs) The contrast. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you're coming from a place on both sides of like, well, I'm always in action because I'm coming from this model of like, I'm not ready. So I have to like overcompensate by doing so Mm -hmm. much or Mm -hmm. I'm frozen because I'm needing to do it perfect in a minute. So either way, it's actually the same thing, even though it's opposite behaviors. Mm -hmm. And that most effective middle way is actually coming from the place of empowerment, you know, having the tools so that you're coming from the identity that you want to create and you start that now. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So what are some of those steps to taking action before you're ready? Like, how do you set yourself up to be able to do that from a place that doesn't cause you to have a panic attack, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a great caveat right there. Without the panic attack. Yeah, (laughs) someone's panic attack. (laughs) So if you think back in your life to like, some of the most impactful or meaningful things that, you know, you've done, right? Like for all of you listening to think of the things that you've done that were bold and brave and before you were ready, like oftentimes those delivered some of the best results in life. It was like the, Mm -hmm. you know, wow, I decided to be vulnerable and it actually turned out okay. Or like I decided to use my voice and I didn't die. So there are references from our own history where we can come back to reality. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the thoughts and the feelings that we have around doing what that courageous and knowing part of us wants to do, when we look at the thoughts that come up around that, what we find is that that fear or that worry is oftentimes just that. And that's not us either. We're not our thoughts and we're not our feelings. There is an us that is separate from that, that is our true authentic self. So part of it is the tool of having those moments of awareness where it's like, all right, I see you fear and I see you worry. And I see my history of I've actually lived this far, even doing brave and scary things. In fact, they've actually turned out well a lot of times. And taking action from the place of reality versus the place of fear. And it's not an easy thing to do, but it's easier than living a diminished life. Mm. It's easier than losing time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so relatable to the listeners is, you know, that idea of a diminished life and that, you know, weighing the pros and cons really of, am I going to act when I'm not ready or continue living this way? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So let's actually relate it to something that I feel like a lot of us will identify with. It's like body image, right? Mm -hmm. So how often do we hear, or even in our own experience is like, man, I thought my body was unacceptable in my teens, but now I know like I was actually like thin and beautiful and everything was fine. Why was I so self-conscious? And then it's like a decade goes by and it's like, what? I can't believe that I was self-conscious in my twenties. Like, ah, everything was great back then. And like, you know, if I only would have known, it's like, how many decades are you going to do that? It's like in your forties, you're going to realize in your thirties, everything was fine. And you're, it's like, (laughs) so that, that pattern of a diminished life is this being in the present and having this fantasy that in the future, it's going to be easier. It's going to be better. And it's like, it's not the right time now. Mm. And if you could rewind time and go back, you're like, yes, I would have invested in Zoom before the <laughs> the <laughs> pandemic or everyone was on Zoom. You know what I mean? It's like that hindsight is 2020, but you can also come into a place where you start to recognize that now is the time. Yeah. So like, you know, you might've heard the parable about when is the best time to plant a cherry tree? 20 years ago. <laughs> when is the second best time to plant a cherry tree? Now. Heard that. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, there you go. Now you know the cherry tree parable. Yeah. So our lives are that same way where the best time is always now. Whatever worry or thought or belief that you have telling you that it's going to be easier or better to transform your life later is simply a lie. It's simply mm-hmm. your fear talking. And when mm. you start getting into a pattern and a practice, like action changes at all, where you're like, you know what? I'm going to start living now because there literally is no better time except 20 years ago. And there's nothing that I can do about that. Right. Mm. So it's that now frame of I'm taking action now and I'm living now and I'm in gratitude now. So you release yourself from that diminished existence by taking that now frame in your life where you start the journey today so that you're not constantly looking back and be like, I wasted more time. I love that. You know, one thing I'm curious about is what about the folks who say I'm starting today now, and then they like almost fall back into their own cycle because fear gets them, or maybe they feel imposter syndrome. Like what about those people? Like, how do you stick to the plan of now if you're so afraid? Yeah. Great, great question. So I would suggest that that pattern of like falling back is not so much about starting now. It's about starting tomorrow. Like I'm going to start really soon. Like think of even like, you know, that eating disorder cycle. It's like, I'm going to eat everything, get all the sugar out of the house so that I can start fresh tomorrow. So it really is that commitment of like, I'm starting so soon, fresh tomorrow, but it's not actually now. 
Now is like, I'm drawing the line in the sand in this moment and I'm going to start shifting it. And mm-hmm. so with those pieces of like, okay, there's imposter syndrome and there are fear, right? To allow yourself to experience that because oftentimes the thought pattern behind that is I feel imposter syndrome. So until I figure out how not to, then I won't start. Or I feel fear Mm -hmm. and until I'm less afraid. It's about in the moment, allowing yourself to experience it. Like I'm afraid. I'm feeling imposter syndrome. Okay. Well, where does that lead to? Not what's going to lead me to the life that I want. So you're like, all right, I'm going to start now with imposter syndrome and with fear. And honestly, it's going to feel like you're going to die. Like there's so much in our brains that fire off like these survival mechanisms of like, don't change, don't do it. And when you actually learn to like acknowledge those feelings and do it anyway, you start to recognize like, oh, that's just Mm -hmm. fear doing its thing. That's just imposter syndrome doing its thing. And you learn to act through those emotions while experiencing those emotions. Mm -hmm. Some of the most successful people in the world are not like smarter than you or more educated than you. They are better at taking action through those emotions instead of waiting until they don't feel that anymore. I love that. Yeah, it's like acknowledging what you're feeling, which is a really important tool in recovery, right? Is acknowledging Mm -hmm. those feelings and doing the thing that scares you, which I completely agree with. I think it's a really beautiful place to live from. It's hard, but it's going to bring you more of the life you want. It's not harder than the alternative. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Yeah. Well, the alternative is that diminished life. Yeah. Like it might feel easier to stay stuck in that diminished life because you're not facing the fear. But in the diminished life, you're facing maybe grief from losing many years of your life to not taking action, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're living that diminished life and you're feeling a false sense of control, right? Because you're sitting in that place. So there is, even though it feels maybe easier in the short term, to be in that place of not taking action in the future. You want that delayed gratification of, you know, I'm going to take action, not delayed gratification, but you want that positive feeling of I'm taking action for my future. So I'm going to feel this discomfort now so that I can get out of living a diminished life and into a place of empowerment or into a place of feeling a lot better, feeling proud of your life. Yeah, totally. It's, wisely said. And it is, those are such important principles and such important pieces. And it is always going to feel more convenient, more Mm -hmm. familiar. I think that's a good word for it. It's not like it's always about the fear. A lot of times it's just like a, oh, all right. It feels more familiar to do what I've done than to do something different. And so No, it's just change. We've been doing that our whole lives. (laughs) Mm, True. Now, do you have any maybe personal stories of the time you took action when you weren't ready? And how did that end up? Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. (laughs) 
for a while now. And it has always, always served me in my personal journey. I have seen it serve our clients over and over and over. But it's really important to have effective action, right? It can be really, really discouraging to have the courage to take action and then have it be something that doesn't actually lead, like isn't effective action, isn't based on true principles. So it's really important to have guidance and to have a community and to, you know, take action in a way that's really going to serve you. So, oh man, one story that comes up is when back in my health coach days, I had this realization that like, oh, this is bad. I have an eating disorder. This is destroying my life. And I felt so out of integrity because like I'm a health coach. I'm a health coach that's doing like the most unhealthy, horrible things. And I felt so much shame around it. And it was this huge secret, huge secret. And, you know, I was the breadwinner for my family. And there was like so much, it was like my, my identity. It felt so, so, so scary to be honest about what was happening. So I just kept on holding it as a secret. Mm -hmm. And the pattern of thought that was holding me back was this idea of as soon as I get this under control, as soon as I find the answer, there's going to be this big reveal where I'm like, I did struggle in the past, but guess what? I don't anymore. And now I can tell you the story. And after a long time of struggling, it became too important. Like that authenticity and that integrity became more important than appearing okay or mm-hmm. keeping that secret or holding on to some identity. And so what I did make, which is like <laughs> to this day, I was like, whoa, <laughs> is I knew and had to be honest with myself and others about that I was struggling. And I knew I couldn't wait until I figured it out because at that point, I didn't know if I ever would. It was in mm-hmm. a hard, dark mm-hmm. place. So I hosted this national call where people all over the country would tune in to like hear health tips. And it was in front of this huge audience. And it just became this point where like I couldn't hide anymore. So Mm. on this national call, I explained that people were probably tuning in for health tips. But here's the truth. And I committed career suicide. (gasps) Wow. So you shared your truth on that live call, I assume. I shared my truth. I was raw and I was real to the extent that I had never, ever been in my life. And my assumption was I've just blown up my whole life. Like, my career is over who wants a health coach that can't control food in their own life, you know, doing these unhealthy things. But like, I had to be honest, like I had to align with the values that are most important to me. And mm-hmm. at that point in my life, it was like one of the biggest surprises because after that call, I just like, I turned off my phone and I just like cried myself to sleep. Like it was horrible. Yeah. And I woke up the next morning, Meg, to like, hundreds of messages. Like it was emails and texts and messages from all these different platforms of like me too. Like I am struggling with the exact thing with food and I had no idea what it was. And I thought I was the only one and how you were describing it 
was the only other time, like, because I've kept it a secret too. Like all of these people, these other health coaches, so many of them are health coaches themselves. And what came out of that, what was born out of that was the She Center. Like that was the whole pivot to let's end this problem because I realized I wasn't alone when I was finally vulnerable, when I was finally open. So what I thought was a career suicide was actually this like rebirth of like, now we can do things honestly and do things with purpose and do things that are most meaningful. When you do things like that and you see the reality of what happens, you start learning to like trust the fear as actually a light in the distance that's letting you know like, Yep, this is your path. Instead of something that holds you back, it's something that is a signal of you moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that reframe of fear. I know that when you feel like activated in your emotions, like they're usually telling you something, but I've never thought about fear specifically as that little light lighthouse in the distance or that light, that signal, maybe that's telling you somewhere to go, right? that maybe it's telling you a path. And it does make sense when you think of it that way. And I love that story you shared of taking that super vulnerable, bold, honest leap of faith and sharing your story with everyone and expecting things to crumble and then recognizing that something could be reborn from it. That was, I would say, the underlining lesson I learned from my eating disorder recovery is when you take these leaps of faith, these vulnerable actions, even if it feels like you're crashing and burning, and maybe you do crash and burn, like maybe there's something born from it. And there's usually a lesson learned or a way you can make adjustments or make a redirection to evolve. Totally. And to, you know, sort of bring it full circle, I feel like this is a great combination of a few things that we've talked about. Like when we're taking that action from a place of not being empowered, oftentimes the action is the kind that's really discouraging. It's like, well, I'm not worthy of investing myself, so I'm only going to do what's cheap and free. Well, that's never going to fix your problem. Or it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not worthy of this or I'm not ready for that. So we actually end up doing the sorts of actions that don't benefit us. But when Mm -hmm. we come from that place of empowerment and worthiness, it's like, I am going to take action to fix this problem as withholding the belief that I'm actually going to do something that's going to work, that's going to have the community and the guidance that is a match to the life that I want versus what I feel like I'm worthy of right now. And so it's a way to like combine those things where it's like when I'm taking action from a place of who I'm becoming and that empowerment and that worthiness I'm attracting the kind of solutions that are actually going to work because we can oftentimes get into a cycle of like, ah, well, I'm going to do this thing that I know probably won't work. I'll go on another diet, whatever it is, because it's like a soothing action to Mm. keep on moving forward, but it's not a match to who we really are, to our empowered selves. Interesting. Interesting distinction between different ways and types of action taking, right? There's action taking from a place of values and a place of support and intention. And then there's the action taking that might even be like a little performative or in vain for 
like just to show that you're trying or show that you're doing something when in reality, like deep down, you know, it's probably not going to move you forward. Yeah, totally. It's, it's an interesting thought. I mean, I can think of when I started, you know, working for myself years ago as a coach, I would take all of this action and it felt like nothing really came from it. And I think part of the evolution of who I am as an empowered woman is adding in that intention and that values piece and taking action that is really impactful and stands the test of time. It doesn't just fall apart after I run out of energy or something or motivation. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And part of it is like the feedback adjust of like taking action and learning as you go. And like you said, from an empowered place. So it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. I love that. So you've mentioned a few of the key factors and practices to help people kind of reach that place of empowerment. I know you mentioned finding evidence in the world that you've kind of survived this before and that, you know, evidence against the fears, right? You also mentioned managing your thoughts and being able to recognize you are not your thoughts. Are there any other key factors or practices that you think would help women on their journeys to empowerment today? Yeah, I love, love, love that. So in that same vein of being able to challenge like our own thoughts and feelings, while still holding that what we think and how we feel is valid, but that we can be in a place of observer, right? Mm. Where we get to like stand in our authentic self and to be able to examine that. That's a really important key piece. And like we had talked about before, that journey of getting out of crisis is important because we get more and more in touch with that. Some of those listening might be feeling like, but I don't even know what I really think or how I feel or like, yeah, like part of the journey is that you're going to get more and more of that back as we get more connected. But a way to practice that in the moment, just day to day, is to do something that is simple, that is brave and beautiful, that really gets us in connection with ourselves. Because especially mm-hmm. with disordered eating, we tend to live from the neck up. We're very mm-hmm. disconnected from our bodies. We're thinking a lot. We're overthinking. And so to take a deep breath and whether it's a visualizing of it or whether it's a feeling of it or sending a message to yourself to take that moment to imagine yourself dropping back into your body, being in a place where I am in my body and it's an intention And it's a practice, but with that deep breath and connecting to yourself and dropping into your whole self, it's like getting you back. It's Mm -hmm. taking yourself from the spinning hamster wheel of our minds and be like, okay, I'm intending to be in my body, to like embody myself. Mm -hmm. And from that place to look at what we're feeling, to look at what we're thinking And to really think of it from a place of observer, sort of like thinking of, you know, looking through a two-way mirror and you're like, you know, observing on the other side. It's like, oh, there's there's some feelings. But from that place, it's more accessible to get in touch with your true self 
and you start noticing discrepancies. This is really important. Doubt is one of the most powerful tools. Mm-hmm. Because when you can start doubting everything that you've inherited and really examining it from a place of like, all right, I'm in my body and I'm noticing that, for instance, I have a thought that I can't be successful unless my body looks a certain way. Or I have a feeling like it's too vulnerable to really speak my mind. And instead of just thinking of those things as truth, you're like, all right, I'm observing this. And you can start seeing where those things came from. Like, my mom said that, and I don't actually want to live the same life that my mom (laughs) does. Or I heard this on some movie that I don't even respect, and it's just like, or, you know, this was from flipping, scrolling the internet, you know? I was going to say flipping through magazines, and then it seemed very outdated. I'm just like, oh, (laughs) scrolling the internet. I am up (laughs) for the times. Um, (laughs) We're getting to see where those things actually came from. And it's not all us. A lot of our fears, a lot of our imposter syndrome are just from other places, other sources. And you don't even need to track where those things are from, but you start seeing like there is a space for me to inject what I actually think and feel versus Mm -hmm. just passing on these beliefs that have been given to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you notice a little bit of doubt, taking a moment to pause and recognizing that might not be a message that originated from yourself. And, you know, it could be from other people and use that moment to kind of search for something that feels more authentic. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an important process of empowerment is being Mm -hmm. in a habit of in that present and aware moment having the space to examine something, having a space Mm -hmm. to question something. Mm -hmm. Because everything Mm -hmm. that we want to create in a better world for, you know, people individually, for, you know, our society, our world as a whole, like all of that is on this other side where it's like, okay, we need to challenge things how they are right now so that we can create a better world. And so that skill on an individual level is the same skill that actually changes the world to the one that we want to live in. Mm-hmm. So it's extremely beneficial. Mm. But yeah, you need to know how to do that. You need to practice that. You need to get the support for that. Like, yeah, it's something that we do as a community. So so can you explain how a person's individual empowerment can support the transformation of humanity on scale? Yeah. Oh. In fact, that's exactly how we do it. <laughs> so I was just like, <laughs> it's not just serious wonder, right? It's like, that is the way. So I love this. I'll use a specific example, story used with permission. One of our clients, Katty, who is this incredible doctor and, you know, has two incredible teenage kids and had an eating disorder, like from when she was a teenager, right? And just really smart, really successful. And I mean, she's a doctor, so she's very educated on these things. So for instance, she knows that the definition of binge eating is a binge within every seven days. And so she had planned binges every eight days. 
Oh my gosh. Wow. So I checked the box. I do not have an eating disorder. You know, it's like, it's that sort of exactness where we play these games with ourselves to just, you know, stay in these patterns if we don't know how to do otherwise. So Katy started out with these, you know, thoughts and beliefs about that she needed to put everyone else first, right? It's like, I'm okay as long as my kids are okay. And as long as this is fine. And as long as my career is perfect, and as long as all my patients are fine. And it really held her back from being in that place of the true principle of when we are individually empowered, then we can change the world. So mm-hmm. Katy came to us after decades of an eating disorder and in three days, like we taught her exactly how to break the pattern. And in three days, she was free of her eating disorder. Didn't have one anymore. It's been years and years and years now. Like we just got right to the root of what was happening and she was free. So out of crisis is step one, right? So she got herself out of crisis. And an important key in that is one thing that went into her decision around investing in herself and getting the help she really needed was she's like, well, would I do this for my daughter? Well, yes, of course, if my daughter needed help, I would do it. So she was even accessing those strong beliefs of like, I need to put other people before myself, Mm -hmm. but that got her over her fear and into action. Mm -hmm. So she's done with her eating disorder. She has all the resources that her eating disorder was taking from her back. And here, when we talk about like that fear being like a lighthouse in the distance, there is a skill that we teach about getting out of crisis, which is you examine this habit of thought that was keeping you in this pattern. You know exactly how to interrupt that habit of thought so your desires change. You don't want to binge anymore. You don't want to restrict anymore. Like you Mm -hmm. teach yourself how to be a normal eater. And that very process of examining those habits of thought, being able to create that space, being able to think of what you really want is the same pattern that is going to take you to that place of benefiting the world through your empowerment. Mm. So the habit of thought that Katya was able to examine was, oh, my thoughts and beliefs are telling me that I have to put everyone before myself, but where did that come from? That Mm. was something that was taught to me from when I was a little girl. And does that actually serve me? Is that actually the life that I want to live? And she started gathering evidence of the more empowered that I am, the more free, the better resource, the more cared for that I am, it actually makes the world better for everyone. Mm. Everything got better for her kids. Everything got like her life just started exploding in all the best ways. Like everything got better. And she started seeing this correlation with like, the more empowered that I am, the better the world is around me. And that's the switch that needs to happen. Because that's a myth that honestly, a lot of us are still believing where everyone has to be before us versus the way that we change the world is we become empowered individually. Because then we actually have that overflow to give because it starts with us and us being resourced. So that's how we change the world is because we're giving the world our best gifts, our best thoughts, our best beliefs, because it starts with us. It's not mm-hmm. selfish. Mm-hmm. It's what's very best, not only for you, but for everyone around you. Thanks so much for explaining that and putting it in those words, because it makes so much sense, right? It makes so much sense as to why 
your self-care, so right, why your own empowerment can actually make the world a better place for other people. So I appreciate that so much. And Lydia, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on the show. And before I let you go, could you please share with the listeners where they can access your work if they want to get in touch? Yes, absolutely. So Meg, we actually have something super special for your listeners here at Full and Thriving. So yes, we were like, oh, what what goodies could we give you guys? So, all right, we have some great things. So where people can go is a page just for you guys. It's podcast.theshecenter.org forward slash full and thriving. And what we have there is we have a super fun quiz that they can take to see their relationship status with food, which is so fun. (laughs) What's fun about that is it's a really fun way to, in like 60 seconds, be able to get customized tools exactly for you where you're at on the journey. Mm -hmm. We have our award-winning masterclass about the elements of food freedom And we have some other really beautiful resources that they can access that will support them at whatever step they're at. So again, that's podcast.theshecenter.org forward slash full and thriving. And that's just for you guys, which will be so fun. And we'll be sure to, you know, update that and all those sorts of things. But the intention around it is, Meg, like every single person that hears this and feels something and takes action, they're sending a message to themselves, right? Mm. Like this is an opportunity to actually put this into practice. And Mm. what I know is that every single one of you that chooses to draw that line in the sand and say like, all right, now is the time I'm taking that action. The world starts becoming a better place in that moment. In that moment where you are taking that action, you're taking care of yourself and through your empowerment, The world gets your gifts and your best self at a new level. And it's about continuing to lean into that. And so Mm -hmm. I hope that supports everyone who chooses in that. So thank you so much, Meg. Wow. Thank you so much for those goodies, Lydia. And we will definitely be adding that link to the show notes so everybody can check those out there. And again, Lydia, I just want to say thank you so much for bringing your beautiful light onto the show today and changing the tune a little bit, talking about empowerment. And I loved every minute of it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Meg. So appreciate what you do and having me on today. You're very welcome. All right. That concludes this week's episode of the Full and Thriving Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the show. When you have a moment, please head on over to Instagram and follow my recovery coaching account at Meg underscore McCabe to stay up to date on everything I'm doing in recovery land. And if you're feeling extra inspired, please send me a direct message to let me know how this podcast has impacted your life. I'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week.